Ginsold, are we still here? <laughs> <laughs> or the other one I had was, Ginsold, if you knew our actual warm-up chat, we'd never work again. <laughs> you took mine. Oh, did I just pretend I came up with that whilst I was upstairs? And really, I just rephrase your one. Jinsaw! <laughs> Jinsaw, where well, we're still stealing off each other. I still mm. steal off you, even, I, I, you know I steal off you when I'm on stage. And I credit you as well, because it comes out of my mouth and it's really annoying. <laughs> I did it again a couple of weeks ago when I was at a bar, whatever. And I literally, as soon as I said it, I caught the eye of like three people who are obviously huge Jinsaw fans. And huge fans of you, and I just saw their faces. Like, I know it's Tempest. <laughs> I also watched you, Trey, say huge fans of me. Stop. Say huge gin salt fans, and then have to say huge fans of me anyway. Is that what I did? Yeah, you had a little moment of revulsion. It was like a little moment where your body was like, Ooh! get the words out. <laughs> oh, nice. Scratching at the door like some kind of hellhound because I've shut her out. <laughs> she is a hellhound. She is indeed. I would love if she was like the guardian dog of hell. Like he went down and she's just this like fluffy dog at the gate being like, seriously? <laughs> With her little face she does where she pulls, yeah, that face. Pomeranians do this really funny um, snouty face like when they're going to bite your little throat out. In fact, there is a Pomeranian vampire in Blade. Do you remember? One of the later Blade films, they have a little vampire Pomeranian. I'm sure about this. No. Brilliant. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to send you a picture or, if you're really lucky, a gif. What we should do is if we end up doing this for multiple years, every Halloween, we should do a different like horror trope. Okay. Like vampires or like witch, not witches, obviously. That would be nice. Do you worry that we've done all the good topics? Yes. Yeah. Well, then I've redone the topic list. (laughs) And there are other good topics. I'm just not sure I have the will and the strength <laughs> to go through them all. But we'll we'll have to. I can't wait for to be doing this around Christmas time. For some reason, I feel oh. like it's going to be awful. <laughs> no, why? Today, I like Christmas. <laughs> so we thought we'd stick on the theme of burlesque today and really hammer it home with those rhinestones and feathers and all the glorious <laughs> things and 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 discuss. The anti-vaccination <laughs> movement. I'd written down, Lolo Brow, what does burlesque have to do with anti-vaxxing? <laughs> um, blind ambition. Oh, I like it. No understanding of the truth or facts. Also good. Uh, I thought that it was a perfect example of the kind of mad conversations we have backstage, which are often nothing at all to do with burlesque, mildly educational, wildly speculated and full of strong opinions based on gut feeling. (laughs) Ginsel, wildly speculated and not founded in truth. Hey! Hey! Although saying that today, I have done... A lot of research on this one because I wanted to do it justice because I I'm really interested in the anti-vax movement because it's closely aligned with like conspiracy theories and things like that. Um, mm. What about you? I hadn't really thought much about it, and then through various podcasts I listened to, and when we were doing the conspiracy theory research, um, dropped into a wonderful black hole of anti-vax propaganda and um history and so now i'm on board i'm looking forward to today uh it's also topical at the moment because everybody is wondering about this covid vaccine and i have had backstage discussions with people being like yeah but aren't you worried about it what would be in it would you take it and so i think it's very topical 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. We should end on where we stand with that. Mm. That'd be interesting. Because I actually don't. Oh, anyway. No, no, let's go ah. into there. Um, do mm. you know any anti-vaxxers, Lolo Bra? I do. I know quite a few anti-vaxxers. Really? Yeah. I have come across various... Weirdly, most of them are like from travelling around the world in dressing rooms, burlesque dancers. We seem to have some real characters. <laughs> That's one word for it. Like we're just a really, really eccentric bunch sometimes. And sometimes we just... We like to stick to a, an opinion and then just ride it home like a like a like a truth <laughs> pony that's actually a, a lizard dressed in a unicorn costume bought from Primark with a dildo on its head. With a dildo, it's just a, it's just a pit bull with a dick on its head. Yeah, well, that sounds about right. And I I've come across a lot of people, so it's, I wouldn't say they're friends in the sense that they're like people that I spend my Sunday afternoons with, but they are people that I have worked closely with in dressing rooms over the last few years of my life, and then also some external family members you know the ones that just like crop up every now and then at a family occasion and you're like i haven't spoken to you since i was five god how are you it's like have you heard the good word And you're like cool i'm gonna i'm gonna drink (laughs) but i'm also the sort of person that when i meet people like that i'm just like go on no i haven't tell me i haven't tell me the things i used to love opening the door to um jehovah's witnesses and being like go on then (laughs) come in oh nice and they'd be like, no. He'd be like, cool. Bye. <laughs> so I actually started getting really interested in the anti-vax movement because I listened to a podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You. And it's an absolutely incredible podcast. Everything I will be saying today is essentially just mostly taken from that because they are absolutely incredible, amazing epidemiologists, epidemiologists. It's like the study of diseases and contagious diseases and things like infectious awesome. diseases. So they really know their shit and they're absolutely incredible. And then I read a few different um, different histories on it and stuff. But I'm going to give you the origins of the anti-vax movement. Yay! My history is mostly stemmed in American and UK anti-vax movements because they mm-hmm. are where anti-vax movements are most prevalent in the sense that they are groups of people that do protest and get very angry. They're also um, quite... Um, interesting movements throughout Europe but they seem to be in coordination with the UK as for Mm. the rest of the world um, I didn't have enough time so I will have to do that another time. Uh, Sweden I think and the UK go through a go through a fun period together (laughs) to any of our Swedish audience. Hello. (laughs) Oh okay you might have different research to me then. That's great I can't wait. All right so So um, anti-vax isn't as new as we think it is. People think they associate it with like Kat Von D and people coming out on the internet being like, I won't put any chemicals in my babies because it will make them turn orange. And Kat Von D actually recently just came out and said that she's not an anti-vaxxer anymore. She released an article in March 2020 saying that she posted that as what she thought was right, but she was wrong and has now been labelled as an anti-vaxxer, but in fact, she just made a mistake. And I think that's really interesting. Yes, Tempest. She posted that and then realised how much it hurt her product sales? Yes, she had to step away from her brand for a certain period of time. So I appreciate that that has something to do with it, but, you know, I'll take my wins where I can. Fair enough. And also that's like a few years later. Anyway, regardless of anything, it didn't actually say in the article whether or not she did vaccinate her son. So I don't know. Anyway, that's not the point. Mid-1800s, let's take you back into the history of glorious and wonderful. I'm going to start in America. Don't know where this voice is coming from. I'm here for it. 
where in mid 1800s we noticed that the vaccination rates had dropped in America. It had been like quite a huge absurgence of people getting vaccinated against smallpox in particular, but there was something that happened where it just started to drop. And the main um, source was the Luddites, which is a anti-machine or modern technology group that was specifically right-wing that didn't like the idea that machines were stealing the jobs from farmers and things like that. This has been like the agricultural age where like like modern farming was really starting to appear really. Agricultural farming had been like adapting for years and years and years, but this seemed to be where like machines were coming in and were readily available to the average farmer. And there was this real fear of like losing jobs and stuff in the like mid 1800s. Um, Good thing we don't have those worries now. I know a lot of the things I'm about to say have so much weird parallels to us today. It's really like really stressful. And so they released a lot of propaganda into various publications, and they started with the appearance of cartoons with grotesque children turning into animals and things like that to suggest if you do this to your children they're going to turn into a goat essentially it was just a picture of a kid with like a goat head and things like that it was really really basic but in the mid 1800s it was scary as shit so it was like a warning publications and that seemed to really stem the appearance of the like distrust around anti-vax meanwhile in the uk the rates of vaccination were dropping and this wasn't necessarily to do to rebellion it was actually to do with complacency there was a real number between like the diseases dropping and people not getting as sick as much and people just being like ah (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, UK. I think that went away. I yeah. think we cured smallpox. <laughs> we went away and people just got a little bit lax about it. But then because of that, we started seeing uh, weird spikes, small epidemics that would appear all over the country, specifically in smallpox. Smallpox was a really like big one. And then in 1853, so like the mid 1800s as well, uh, it was pushed through from our government to make it compulsory for all children under six months to be vaccinated against smallpox and other preventable diseases they had at the time. But it wasn't really enforceable. So what they did is they upped the game. And uh, about 1867, you had to have a certificate to prove that you had inoculated your child. And if you didn't, you would be fined. Something to bear in mind around this time is that these vaccinations weren't free. You had to pay for them. So families were forced to do this. And if you didn't have the certificate, you would be taken to court. And you would essentially, if you didn't have the money, which a lot of people didn't have the money because they didn't have the money to pay for the vaccines to start with, their possessions would be auctioned off to pay the fine. And if they didn't have possessions because they were that poor, which was very common in the time, they were sent to jail. It just went from being like, we want everyone to be safe to a huge class war, Mm. which was absolutely unbearable. And it's like, it resonates so much with like things that's going on in America. And I completely appreciate and understand where it came from. So this is where we kind of see the anti-vax movement really appear. 20 years later, so over the next two decades, you kind of see tens of thousands of members join a group called the Anti-Compulsion Vaccination League, which sounds like the shittest superhero group ever. (laughs) And they started rumours and released propaganda the same way we were seeing in America of like how this would turn your children into monsters. And they would literally release pictures of mythical creatures being like, this was once a child, but now it's a drawing of what it turned into. And it's like that kind of scary manipulation. And the other rumours that it started that was made from snake blood. And my favourite rumour was that it was made from batshit. And I'm like, so, wait, you're saying these, this vaccine is batshit? 
<laughs> I'm like, sorry, I just found it really funny. <laughs> so with all these things happening, it was down to money and it was down to the fact that poor communities were targeted and it was used as like to reinforce a real class divide and it became a real struggle. And there were outbursts. So in these auctions where people would have their possessions being sold because of the vaccine that they couldn't pay for, there were huge protests and these protests turned violence. There were injuries, there were deaths, there were just massive amounts of unrest and it was just really, really bad. So the UK developed a law which is called the Conscientious Law, which basically means that you can say that you don't, you, if you don't want to have it, you don't have to have it in terms of you can argue your case for it. In just, hang on, wait, I have the numbers. Wait, wait. So this is the first time that the term conscientious objector was used legally, yeah. which I was associated with wartime. But yeah, it has its roots in this movement. Yeah, it's where it first appears. You're totally right. And so in one year after that law passed, 200,000 people didn't go get their vaccines. So what happened? We saw huge spikes in smallpox appear all over the country. And there was just this huge amount of like civil unrest. And that just happened it just happened. We go back to America. At this point, they're like, let's bring in the witches. <laughs> it's just like, cool. Brilliant. I love your work. It gets really spiritual and it's like, it's, it gets really associated with, there's an occultist, Emmanuel Swedenberg, who um, basically went around the country saying that the vaccination scarred your soul and will damn you to eternity. So people who are like poor and clutching to religion are then clutching to this being like, it will damage you spiritually, which is a completely different angle. And it still exists today of being this kind of idea of putting something impure into your body is going to make you further away from God, which is fun. We should do it again. Then there is the appearance of Laura Little, who seems to be the real like pivot point in America's kind of association with the old anti-vax movement. Laura Little was a mother. They had a child who had many ailments and issues as they were growing up. And the child unfortunately died because of diphtheria and measles. But seven months prior to the child dying, they had had the smallpox vaccination. Now... There was no specific link between the two, but a grief-stricken mother decided essentially that it was this vaccination that killed the child. This was it. And they, through quite clever marketing and using publications like The Truth Teller, who had always kind of like been associated with sellers of snake oil and that kind of like fake remedies and stuff like that, used this kind of publication to really scare people into not doing this. All of a sudden there was a person that was just like, my child died because of this. There was no truth. She completely ignored any anything, basically. But because fear is so much stronger than truth, people would be just terrified because it's it's scary. You don't want to inject your kid with an unknown substance if you're being told that it could possibly kill them. So Laura Little became like a real like tragic story that kind of really spurred on that part of the movement. And then, unfortunately, it was backed up by a series of bad batches. And because the the Vax movement wasn't smooth, there were things that went wrong. People made mistakes. There were bad batches created by people who didn't know what they were doing. These events were small. It's very small in comparison to the large scale of things, but were used very much by the anti-Vax movement being like, well, this person died directly because of a bad batch. It's bad. And I appreciate that fear. Mm. That is a reasonable fear. So then then we just saw this huge spread move through the US. It just it became common knowledge and the death toll rose for smallpox and other preventable diseases and old diseases that hadn't been active in the US for about 30 years all of a sudden started coming back, like we're seeing today. 
1905, the US starts pushing to have vaccines compulsory. And they start like being like, no, this needs to start being an actual thing. It's going quite a bit later than the UK. And there's a guy called Jacobson who basically stood up and went, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And kind of spurred this whole like, no, my rights are to do what I want, which is what we see a lot in the US of just like, there's no reason behind it. It's just, no. I have rights. I don't like being told what to do. And I'm like, okay, white man, sit down. And so America couldn't enforce it, but they gave states the opportunity to punish people if they were found not to be vaccinated. It's a bit of a grey area. So I'm kind of like, yeah. And then came in the next legislation, which is like, if you have other medical conditions, you don't necessarily have to have the vaccine. Of course, there are other components to it. Jacobson didn't have any other pre-existing conditions. He just didn't like being told what to do. That is literally it. I can't give you any other information on the prick mm-hmm. because I don't want to. But it did get pretty bad where children were starting to get refused from schools because they weren't vaccinated, which um, led to a bunch of people essentially just not going to schools out of stubbornness from their parents. And that is terrifying and unfair, I think. Anyway, there's really interesting things that we need to take into account into the early vax movement of like why it happened. The things that I think, I I say I think, things that I've heard a podcast say and now have taken as my own opinion is that in the first 60 years of vaccinations, microbiology wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a common knowledge the way that we know that like germs exist and these things exist in our bodies that we can't see. It wasn't common knowledge. People didn't know us. This was essentially to a uneducated mass populace of the world. It was magic. It just feels like it's like you take this magic potion, it stops this thing happening. People didn't understand the basics of it and it definitely wasn't being taught in schools. And it takes a lot of time for those sort of things to trickle down through society and people were scared. And that makes sense. The other problems with it and the reasons that these things happened was because it was hugely classist and racist. These things were expensive to start with and then people were punished for not being able to afford them the poor were made to be poorer and also these rules were then used to enforce and to punish minorities who are already under quite a lot of oppression because you know that's how government works also then because of that people who are minorities and couldn't afford it they were then blamed for spreading the disease and therefore reinforcing racist stereotypes and Fake news! Mm, I know a lot of white communities in the States kind of stopped vaccinating because they believed that it was a minority issue. So that mm. smallpox was specifically spread by black communities within America. Uh, yep. They have pox houses where you were supposed to put your family members, which basically was just where they could go and die. And these were, of course, segregated. And the, the non-white pox houses were obviously absolutely hideous. So due to kind of racism at the time, you've had a lot of African-American families would hide sick members of their family rather than send them to like a certain death in the pox house so and reasons of poverty a lot of uh, and distrust of the system which is completely understandable smallpox was incredibly prevalent in some of the minority communities which further fueled this racist belief that white people didn't need to get vaccinated because it wasn't really a white people problem yeah it wasn't a white people problem and also your rights oh god i hate them <laughs> oh yeah and then just the general distrust and power there was a time where like the government seemed to have more of a reach and more of a communication with its public than ever before. Technology was growing the way that the government could now communicate faster and it could reach out into the country quicker than it ever did before. And people felt that was encroaching on their privacy. And that is something that we do see all the time today. Also, people just don't trust doctors in general is another thing. For some reason, it's a very common belief to be brought up in. So you don't really necessarily 
trust doctors and also the people that seemed to be stemming it were people that were like gaining quite a bit of money from it so people who had alternative remedies to these diseases and Mm. that didn't work basically like snake oil people Mm. and also people who ran those smallpox houses and stuff who were funded by either states or governments or privately funded um those people were all getting put out of work because people didn't need to be in box houses anymore which is awful and lawyers Ah, here we are again with the lawyers. They're always always there, just creeping in, just being like, how can we soak this fire to make a little bit of money out of it? Um, And it's scary. And it is really, really scary. Uh, The next bit of information I have is 1973, which seems to be the the origin of the modern vax movement. But I only had that just in case I wasn't sure what you did. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, we definitely go that because Andrew Wakefield is 1998. Cool. But I know a little bit of earlier stuff. Please do. So... Warring podcasts. So my main source podcast also happened to have a vaccination episode. It's like Battle of the Pokemon. It's like, I choose you. (laughs) So Chinese doctors had been using a very crude form or, or a kind of prototype vaccination since the 10th century which was taking smallpox scabs, grinding them into powder and then snorting them. So for most people, snorting the scabs of smallpox would kind of give them a very mild form of the disease, which would infer an immunity for bigger outbreaks. But it was still dangerous as hell. Like a load of people actually would die from doing that. It was just statistically, you were less likely to die from snorting scabs than you were from actually catching smallpox. So that's the kind of precursor to the smallpox vaccine. And when this sort of filtered through to Europe, this caused a lot of outrage. And it reminds me a bit of the witchcraft episode when we were talking about the church getting angry about other people having kind of or control over their lives essentially bodily autonomy so a lot of the like super early anti-vax movement before it even knew it was like anti-vax because vaccinations didn't really exist was this war between the church saying you know you can't you can't fight God's will. If God wants you to get sick, God wants you to get sick. And the only way to save yourself is to make yourself right with God. It's not to do these medicinal things, which they basically just considered devilry fuckery, basically messing with God's will. That sounds amazing. And that is very, very early stuff. I was wondering about that, but I was thought it didn't class as anti-vax because it wasn't specifically vaccine that had come out and been distributed by the government i feel like a lot of the vaccine stuff is because it's government trade but i hang on wait let me rephrase that the church is fucked (laughs) (laughs) well it's all about control really at the end of the day isn't it and and then the other thing i thought was really interesting is that the term vaccination comes from vaca which means cow i don't know if you came across that yeah in your research and i really should know his name but you all can use your fingers and google a doctor noticed that so cows get pox and milkmaids have scabs on their hands from cow pox and it was from this kind of recognizing their immunity from smallpox or part partial immunity and the relationship to cowpox that he invented the very, very early prototype of the smallpox vaccine and called it a vaccine after a vaca for cow. Well, that's fascinating. Snorting scabs. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Clever, though. Again, oh, yeah, super clever. Again, the lack of kind of medical knowledge that we take that we... That, oh, Jesus Christ. That was very, very clever. Yeah. <laughs> What feels logical to us now is like basically like, yeah, of course, you get a smaller version of it. So the big ones doesn't hurt you. But mm. that just wasn't necessarily available. 
Can we go into some more stuff around the earlier periods? Um, so I think that in the States, they did in some parts forcibly vaccinate people when outbreaks got so bad, they literally kick people's door down and you either had the vaccine or you refused and you went to prison. And once you went to prison, you became a ward of the state yeah. and then you got vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, that'll be around about like the, like kind of the 1905 period when they're yeah. arguing you can't do fuck with my rights part. I think it's really interesting because... Certainly, I think of anti-vaccination movement nowadays as being kind of a bit fringy and a bit extreme and a bit kind of out there and a bit sort of fake newsy. But during this period, it was, I guess, because of the level of government control and racism, a lot of people who we would consider ourselves allies with, like progressive, anti-racist people, feminists, people who believed in kind of the autonomy of the body and a person's civil rights were anti-vax. Yeah, uh, the suffragette movement in the UK specifically was anti-vax mad i didn't go into it because otherwise i'd be here forever but like yeah so all those groups all of those groups were anti-vax because it was anti-government mm. yeah and anti-state control and like you know, sort of touched on very lightly the extreme racism that played into uh, yeah. a lot of how we considered outbreaks extreme awful is fascinating and i completely understand because in that sort of level where you're being forced to take something that you don't understand you're not being educated it there was no education alongside of it it was just like take this mm. it's good for you Oh, that's scary. That's a horrible sentence. Yeah, so it was just, yeah. It's murky as hell. We would have probably been anti-vaxxers. Yeah, probably, which really distresses me. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, the 70s. Talk about that golden period where nothing was wrong. Oh my God, it was the best, right? (laughs) I fucking hate the 70s. (laughs) And people were like, talk about the 70s and 60s in such a... um, rose-tinted way you're like what the fuck is wrong with you i know i've never understood that i fucking hate that period of time yeah awful not saying now's any better but like i'm just saying it was vile stop stop being like yeah it was like a summer of love no 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 No. 1973 in the uk someone called john john wilson um basically gave a presentation that motherfucker pro tethys pro tethys vaccination I hope I'm saying it right. But we'll find out. Someone will tell us. Presentation made basically where he went out and found cases where people had had the vaccination but had also died. There okay. was no like real study. Just went, this person had the vaccination. They also died. Oh. He kind of accumulated a group of stu- a small group of cases or studies where he had found that he said there was a link between this vaccination, fever, seizures, coma, and then death. Great. He then basically wouldn't let this study be independently, um, what do you call it? Verified. Independently confirmed. So it was never like peer assessed or anything. He just basically went public and just been like, this will kill you, basically. Oh, wow. Just just went public and made this thing. And just to emphasize, so this is supposedly the birth of the modern vaccination movement. You're going into the actual real like humdrum of like how it came about, but the effect of this of what we were told so in the uk the year before this presentation was made 79 percent of children were being inoculated 79 percent. so it's relatively high kind of what we hope the standard thing is four years after that number had dropped to 31 percent. oh my goodness so that that is my history through to the birthy birth of where we are today nice well, i didn't I know about i got that. so angry this morning <laughs> about this well it's just like that was in a time where we didn't have social media <sighs> that was just like a presentation of someone like access utopia. to television and newspapers and articles that was before this 
so the things that made me think about the things that have happened or the things that have been said that have affected people to the that point could just be like one status now i that just blows my fucking mind sorry <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy and it reminds me of the fact that the earlier period of anti-vax the spreading of anti-vax propaganda coincides nicely with the starting of the postal service in the states because of course it's all about disseminating information and of course now social media is this and like youtube is this absolute fuel for once again churning the mill of fake opinion yeah it's really interesting how this sort of issue when you look into it has got so many components and so many things that were just like just slotting in place when it came out and like the postal service left-wing anti-government groups could be like on the uprise and like the government having more contact with its public and and the church desperately trying to cling on to uh its following with fear and it's like ah oh, i wonder what's happening now what a glorious melting pot of hideousness <laughs> mm. i love that about history when you look at all the components you're like this is just a cauldron and if one of them wasn't there i wonder if it would work what i love about history is that once we learn from this we never repeat it again <laughs> <laughs> Jinsol, I hope you're depressed. <laughs> Jinsol, your Tuesday morning downer, just in case life isn't stressful enough at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I hope you listen to this at 7am and then just have to crawl back into bed. <laughs> just call in sick and just lie under the TV for the rest of the day. <laughs> Jinsol, the permission to have a duvet day. Yay! Yay! That's Go on, nice. hit me with your best shot. Let's do it. So, the modern anti-vax movement has much to do with now disgraced former doctor Andrew Wakefield and the fraudulent... Wait, wait. Yep, yep. Wait, yes. before we get into this, I'm very excited. Mm. But have we switched where I'm handwriting notes and you're using your computer? <laughs> yes, because always... I learned, unlike humanity, from my previous history. <laughs> I was just looking at it going... Why is one of us always got to be writing and the other one's got to be... Anyway, anyway. <laughs> because we like being contrary with each other. It's the fuel that gets us out of bed in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> back to my copy and pasted notes <laughs> from my <laughs> internet research and recollections from other things I've listened to. <laughs> now disgraced former doctor Andrew Wakefield and the fraudulent MMR vaccine study that looked into its alleged links with autism. So MMR is measles, mumps and rubella, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. In 1998, Wakefield and 11 other colleagues published a paper in The Lancet, which is a respected medical journal, that claimed that there was a link between the MMR vaccine and autism. It got huge publicity around the world and contributed massively to a decline in parents vaccinating their children, resulting in multiple deaths and serious permanent injury from outbreaks of yeah. said illnesses yeah they're super super scary mm, yeah and incredibly dangerous and the full study still perpetuates today people still share it people still believe it but here are the main issues with the research and with andrew wakefield himself so the initial study was only done on 12 children that's right 12 what <laughs> yeah oh my god i know right you can't do that no well you shouldn't be able to but apparently yeah it, which is nowhere near an appropriate sample size and its findings have never been replicated through anybody else's research i mean it's wild how much this one study just was taken seriously and had yeah. a, a really real impact on the lives of children 
yeah, yeah, awful things. So in February 2004, after a four-month investigation, which worryingly is still six years after this first study was done, reporter Brian Deere, who is very responsible for debunking a lot of this rubbish, and I think he did a documentary as well, alongside other reporters and other doctors who put a lot of work into taking down or to dismantling the truth behind the study, wrote in the Sunday Times that... Prior to submitting his paper to The Lancet, Wakefield had received £55,000 from legal aid board solicitors seeking evidence to use against vaccine manufacturers that several of the parents quoted as saying that MMR had damaged their children were also litigants. Litigants? Also litigants. So this court case against the MMR manufacturing companies had given money to Wakefield's study... Um, on behalf of parents before this study came out who wanted evidence that there was a connection between the two. Right. So he was he was paid, essentially, to come to this conclusion. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, and at Wakefield didn't inform colleagues or the medical authorities of the conflict of interest, which basically he was paid to find the link between the two. Oh, fucker. Scandalous. Absolute fucker. I know, there's more. In a Channel 4 Dispatches documentary, MMR, What They Didn't Tell You, broadcast on the... 19th on the 18th of November 2004 because that's important <laughs> you need to know that exact day the documentary alleged that Wakefield had applied for patents on a vaccine that was a rival to the MMR vaccine he advocated in his research that you shouldn't combine the vaccines together and that was what was causing the problem he also had a patent put in for a single shot triple vaccine <laughs> that he would make money on <laughs> And that he knew of the retest results from his own laboratory at the Royal Free Hospital that completely contradicted his own studies. Wakefield's patent application was also noted. Paul Offit wrote a book in 2008 called Autism's False Profits. So not only did he get funding um, to come to a conclusion about the study, he also had a patent on an alternative vaccine that he was suggesting through his work that people use to stop children accidentally getting autism through the use of the MMR vaccine. So all kinds of fuckery going on behind the scenes. This is a completely fraudulent study made to serve somebody else's purposes, namely Andrew Wakefield. in 2010, the General Medical Council panel, after an investigation, delivered its decision on the facts of the case. Wakefield was found to have acted, quote, dishonestly and irresponsibly, and to have acted with a callous disregard for the children involved in his study, conducting unnecessary and invasive tests. The panel found that the trial was improperly conducted without the approval of an independent ethics committee, and that Wakefield had multiple undeclared conflicts of interest. What? Sorry, this is insane. I know, right? In 2010, the GMC panel found Wakefield guilty of serious professional misconduct on four counts of dishonesty and 12 involving the use of developmentally challenged children and ordered that he be struck off the medical register. I've also heard rumours in a later study he collected blood at his children's birthday party from his children's friends (laughs) and said that he'd pay them a fiver if they donated blood. (laughs) No, I didn't find that in my later research, but that is brought up in the podcast that I listened to, Behind the Bastards, all about Andrew Wakefield. (gasps) Feel free to look further into that. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Right? So, 
Uh, January 2011, the British Medical Journal published the first of a series of articles by Brian Deer, so the same journalist, a Times journalist, detailing how Wakefield and his colleagues had faked some of the data behind the 1998 Lancet article. By looking at the records and interviewing the parents, Deer found that for all 12 children in the Wakefield study, diagnoses had been tweaked or dates changed to fit the article's conclusion. (laughs) Deer said that based upon the documents he obtained under the Freedom of Information legislation, Wakefield, in partnership with the father of one of the boys in the study, had planned to launch a venture on the back of an MMR vaccine scare that would profit from new medical tests and, quote, litigation-driven testing, unquote. The Washington Post reported that the had said that Wakefield predicted that he could make more than $43 million a year from diagnostic kits for the new condition, autistic entrocolitis. I hope I've said that right. Oh my God. So completely fucked. Uh, Wakefield now lives in Texas. Uh, He isn't a doctor in the UK anymore. And he's still an anti-vax advocate. People still believe this study and he still promotes the fact that there's there's nothing wrong with it and that this whole thing is a cover-up and that he's been discredited because of the government's evil mission to continue to feed children the MMR vaccine. So he, he doubles down on his disproven research. He still speaks at anti-vaxxer events and conferences. And the question on my lips is, why is this man not in prison, given that children have died due to his fraudulent study that he very very obviously knew he was faking yeah just the simple fact that he was getting paid the study was being paid to to happen is is so it's just in itself is criminal is in itself is criminal like there, there should be there should be more repercussions it's insane like i do know about this i have listened about this and i've read about it but it's just like every time i hear it i'm like how do these people get away with it <sighs> I don't know. I just uh, anyway. Sorry, did I interrupt you? No, no. That's that's uh, well, that's the end of my research bit. Yeah, it's just wild, isn't it? And also, if I remember correctly, there's a there's a kind of a slowness on behalf of these medical journals to very very publicly retract the research and the publications due to an embarrassment of that they platformed it even in the first place, given that it was so obviously didn't conform to scientific standards that they should have more rigorously tested before they kind of trumpeted this news. Yeah. Which is scandalous. It is scandalous. I'm wondering how much of it is to do like with pride, but also the they don't want to take it down unless they definitely, 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 definitely know it's wrong. No, I think they definitely knew later. Yeah. Um, but we're a bit like, let's just not, maybe let's we not just... look at it. Yeah, because then we obviously look like dicks for seemingly getting behind this piece of research that is so fucked yeah that's my scientific term for it well it's also the damage is done like regardless of whether or not it's been debunked and even though you and i can shout from the rooftops it's been debunked it's now like this weird inherent thing in the back of your mind like i don't even remember when i heard about the relationship between vaccinations and autism i just knew i've always known like it's in my periphery that vaccinations could cause autism not saying that's true just saying that that was a thought that was in my mind Mm. even from a young age so just one small study of 12 children can affect even me who hadn't connected with the study individually in any way shape or form and was vaccinated because my mother is not having any of that shit it's terrifying and it just really really hammers home the importance of 
influence and fact checking oh my god just check your fucking facts Mm, yeah absolutely me too i've heard of the study before i even actually came across any detail on it which is really worrying the fact that it's just seeped into all of our (laughs) collective Mm. unconsciousness that there might be something wrong with this vaccine when there is not it's been proved over and over and over again there are many reasons why this study is false or fabricated is the better word whenever something like this comes out it'd be the same thing we talked about other stuff look at to who this benefits look at who it could benefit and you'll find where the source of it comes from i want to know what the current rates for measles are it's difficult though because whilst you are correct in saying that and i agree with you what somebody on the other side of that will say well okay it benefits the government to use this triple vaccine because i think it was a whole thing of like it was cheaper or people thought that it was cheaper and you could only get the triple shot available in the nhs so one of the sort of conspiracy theories was the only reason they're pushing this is because it's cheaper for the nhs and Uh... they don't care if a few children along the way get autism okay I'm having a quick look at the cases of measles in the UK and if they're on the rise. There was a definite increase during this whole scandal and I can't remember what the... There is, I think there is still an increase, but I can't remember where I got that from. What source am I reading from? I think it's the Indian Journal of Psychiatry. Interesting. Mm. One of the many sources you can find, it does a great roundup of this whole scandal and lists all of his references at the same time. So scientists and organisations across the world spent a great deal of time and money refuting the results of a minor paper in The Lancet exposing the scientific fraud that formed the basis of the paper. Appallingly, parents across the world did not vaccinate their children out of fear of the risk of autism, thereby exposing their children to the risks of the disease and the well-documented complications related thereto. Measles outbreaks in the UK in 2008 and 2009, as well as pockets of measles in the USA and Canada were attributed to the non-vaccination of children. The Wakefield fraud is likely to go down as one of the most serious frauds in medical history. So it doesn't give any numbers, but no doubt you can find them with a little bit of a deeper research. Mm. So yeah, that's fueled a lot of fuckery. Um, so tell me yeah. about Kat Von D, who I know nothing about. Oh, that was it. What I said at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, no, so basically Kat Von D um, a couple of years ago went on Instagram saying that they were publicly just not going to vaccinate their son. This is when they were six months pregnant. Um, they were not going to vaccinate their son because they didn't believe in it. There's also, there's an other side of vaccination, uh, anti-vaccination, sorry. This isn't about causing autism or causing diseases or turning your children into goats. There is just this weird argument that's like more of the hippie side of it, mm. which is the liberal side of it. Again, like this real, real liberal-minded but actually right-wing view that we don't need vaccines you can just build immunity and there aren't these diseases anymore and it's like yeah because we had because we had vaccines seriously and then that moves into that sort of like letting your kids still build up their own immunity they'll be stronger and more robust for it I think Kat Von D kind of had that kind of thinking as well behind them that's something that I hear more about than the horrible side effects of vaccines i hear people being like immunity and it being stronger immunity if you catch it yourself and these things weren't actually that bad and you're like these things seriously millions of people otherwise we wouldn't have built a vaccine for them it's fucking insane that's completely insane my favorite one was when i had an argument with someone in the dressing room about it i say argument where i just was like okay cool and like well we don't have vaccines for like the thing like the cold or the flu and i was like we have flu vaccines they were like, 
<laughs> we don't need them. I was like, you know, people die of flu, right? Influenza is like a really huge deal. In fact, Spanish influenza is the like was a huge. Was the last time and... we were in this mess? <laughs> but this was this was, this was like years ago. Yeah. I had this argument, yeah. and then it was just like, and you like people have vaccines, and they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. And I was like, so you just assume that we always collectively had just built up an immunity to influenza, and that actually our weakest parts of society hadn't had to have some form of vaccination. It just blew their fucking mind. I was like, you do your fucking research. Oh, this stuff is so distressing when people come out of shit like that. Just like, there's just a multiple crashing in my head of all the things that bug me about that. The first thing I think is this weird thing that happens with some people that when they have children... They think that giving birth or having your child birthed somehow makes you a doctor and that your intuition for your children replaces medical knowledge. And that is really dangerous and has actually led to some really sad things that might be rooted in so I don't know if you've heard about I think it's called the natural birth movement that was a big grift or scam that happened in the States and lots of babies died and it's rooted in this kind of understandable opinion that the medical profession doesn't tend to treat or listen to pregnant women particularly well. Which I do agree with. And so do I. I um, that is definitely a thing that shouldn't be ignored. But the antidote to that isn't babies then should always be born at home with no medical training or interference because people and mothers instinctively know how to birth babies. Yeah. Well, even with that, what's what's frustrating with that is because they use the argument, it's like, well, we've been giving birth for years. And I was like, yeah. And we had doulas and midwives and wise women that had seen many births. They weren't medical professionals, but they had been through the shit. Mm. But also hundreds of thousands of people died giving birth. And people still do die of childbirth as a... We could go... That's, anyway, what we... What I argue about is the presence of the patriarchy that then decided to proceed and appear into childbirth where there was only one convention that was the medical convention the medical like you lie on your back you push it out it's like no 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 there has to be an organic process to it but we have these medical advances to be prepared if anything goes wrong or you need some assistance like listen to them they know what's going on i do believe in trusting your instincts a lot with like birth and stuff like that because you know what's going on inside your body but at the same time we haven't come all this way for you to tell me that mint is going to help you with that. <laughs> I think it's a happy mix of the two. I think that it, I completely can, even without having ever given birth, um, know <laughs> that you know, anecdotally in things you see in the press, we have a, a medical profession that for a long period of time was very much guided by what was convenient for the doctor rather than what was safe and convenient for the mother. Um, and that is an absolute fact and something that we should dismantle. But again, I dispute the extreme that that's taken to and this plays into it which is I've automatically imbued with this intuitive sense of what is safe and right medically for my baby sorry you don't <laughs> you don't yeah. if you did children wouldn't have died in pre-medicine times if you did women wouldn't have died in childbirth which they all did in their hundreds of thousands and I think like there's a little pocket of kind of hippie anti-vax movement that kind of tunes into that cycle but it's like it's my baby and I know what's right for my baby and another disturbing thing I find about it is um, 
Okay, your argument is that your children, your child will be fine. And if that's a gamble that you want to play for your child, I actually don't agree with it morally because that baby has its own rights to its own future, regardless of your opinions. But also you're messing with something that's herd immunity, which is a statement that we hear about all the time, which is some children cannot get vaccinated due to various reasons, such as having autoimmune deficiencies. So your choice to not vaccinate your child puts other children who cannot get vaccinated at risk risk. And there have been cases, I believe, where there's been like an anti-vax fad in a community and children have died because they haven't been able to be vaccinated. But then the cases of um, measles or whatever within the community has risen. And that I don't know, it goes back to what we were talking about, a kind of deep individualism and selfishness. Like you might think your baby's fine, but you don't get the right to make that choice for other people. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, sure. I'll be honest, like uh, kids will catch these diseases these days and there are treatments for it. There is a risk of death, but it's likely they'll survive with some form of internal damage. But that's not the kid we're worried about. It's the same, exactly the same with COVID-19. It's like, I'm Mm. not worried about my mate getting a really, really, really fucking nasty cough for a few weeks. No, I'm worried about Mildred down the road, who's 80 years old. Uh, It drives me up the wall and I find it so incredibly frustrating. And yeah, And it's just this inherent distrust of doctors. And I think there is a lot to be said for the way that the medical world has treated humans in different kinds, especially mothers as well. Mm -hmm. I do think there's like the presence of the patriarchy into the birthing room and things like that, where it becomes really this real time where the mother became second to whatever was happening. And there is a distrust there. And Mm. yeah, people desperately trying to cling to some form of intuition and connection to their body that can do something that's quite, quite amazing and marvellous. I think this, the, when I say sweet spot, I mean sweet as in the worst thing that ever happens in humanity is when you get that mixed with people who can see how to make money out of that. And Mm. that goes back to, um, what you were talking about earlier, isn't it? About like people who knew that they could profit from the spread of anti-vax propaganda. And there's always this mixture of like, you take something that's a genuine fear and a genuine concern, and then you apply people to it are like, this is great. Let's make money out of this. And then mm. you just get this really awful, sad mix of human misery. Oh, <sighs> for fuck's oh, sake. Do you want to hear the COVID vaccine? I do. Anti-vax stuff at the moment? Mm, I do. Do you know, wait, before we get into that, my mother has big anti-vax <gasps> sympathies. And luckily, I think she kind of rounded into them late in life. So we all got vaccinated. But it's one thing I just can't bring up with her now. And her big kind of drive for this seems to be, I think one of my elder sisters had quite a bad reaction to a vaccine, which is fine. In my mother's words, nearly died. Now, my mother is quite a... um theatrical personality so it's it's difficult to take from that statement uh, the extent to which that may or may not have been true right yes and it's illegal to not vaccinate your children so luckily i got vaccinated but yeah don't start my mother on this now she has a huge distrust for the medical profession due to to be fair some pretty horrible experiences she's had in her life and yeah vaccinations no she will believe this survey she thinks it's evil and it's one of the many subjects that we just don't talk about oh. And they say, my mother's got a magical they, I don't know if other uh, people have this with their yep. parents. They say, even scientists, which, which, which ones? Some of them, I don't know. <laughs> this tends to be how that conversation goes. Ah, yeah. Well, because the thing is, I think with the previous generation, that's how they were sold things where it was like, now we're like, no, 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 we 
have access to names we could google these people i could find out their facebook find their family like it's we live <laughs> in an age <laughs> where I, I know it got very dark very quickly i didn't mean it like that <laughs> but like they grew up in an age where they're like these scientists said this thing in a newspaper here's a picture of a child with a goat for a head <laughs> it must be true yeah yeah we'll get into my mother's opinion on medicines and illness another episode i am so scared <laughs> about the mother episode I'm excited. She could never listen to it. Yeah. All right. Tell me about COVID-19. COVID-19. Because I know that everyone listening just hasn't heard enough about it. What have you spoken about today? COVID-19. Do you know what? Do you reckon we will have one day where we don't talk about the virus? No. (laughs) Even when we're dead. Even when we're old. Forever. It's like every argument I'm ever going to have with my kids is going to be, I lived through a pandemic. Every argument I'm ever going to have with your kids is going to be, <laughs> I live for a pandemic. We made a podcast. Have you listened to it yet? <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to it. It's wildly dated. <laughs> Episode 719. <laughs> <laughs> just, we're still recording it. We're just like on garden furniture. In our underground bunker. <laughs> <laughs> with the fifth toe, the fifth toe. We have five toes. <laughs> I was going to make some like radiation poisoning yeah, yeah. thing, but all I did was count how many toes I actually have. <laughs> I made a joke last week at the Buff Boy brunch when I decided to pick a date way into the future and came out of 2017. <laughs> oh, I love that when that happens, when you just backfire entirely. That's yeah, great. Total dysfunction. <laughs> all right. So the COVID-19 anyway. <laughs> theories around vaccinations. Mm, hit me. The main one is that Bill Gates is putting a microchip in the vaccination (laughs) in order to track us. Hey, because our phones don't do it well enough already. This is one of the things. Sorry, did you tweet that from your iPhone? You fucking (laughs) mental person. Like, that's insane. Like, how stupid can you be? And this is also the thing is I was talking earlier about how, how it's scary. Like, people can make one statement, like, in the past. And it transformed the world and was responsible for so many deaths. And the same is happening now, but it's like things people could just put out. Oh, it's fucking terrifying. Anyway, Mm. so a YouGov poll of this year, 2020, did a study of just like 1,700 people. So like not that many, but 28% of them believed that the microchip vaccine conspiracy was true. Now, if you only took the conservatives out of that experiment and just did their perspective of it, that number rose to 44%, which I found quite funny. It's a small study, so it's not necessarily the biggest seduction to the world, but I just found it interesting and funny mm. because statistics can be used in whichever way you like. Remember that, kids? Mm-hmm. Also depends on how you phrase the question. What? Uh, so Alex Jones. Oh, is fucking a- Alex Jones. <laughs> I did not know about Alex Jones's existence until about f- five months ago. And now I'm just like, what is this world? Anyway, carry on. So yeah, Alex Jones, those of you listening uh, who don't know, they're, they're a white right wing conspiracy theorist. It's the only way I can really describe them. Don't get on board. Hugely popular in the States. Has a massive radio show. Is that right? Yeah. TV show, YouTube channel. The thing is, this is what conspiracy theorists do. And it's I, it's like one of those things where it's like we can blame it on mental health and things like that, where these people are not okay, where they'll just spout random things. So basically, he just put out a tweet that got like four 
something likes and it just went absolutely mad and a tweet literally said Bill Gates has admitted um, the new vaccine will kill 700,000 people <laughs> oh he's I, such an irresponsible but, asshole but, but with no with no nothing and obviously everyone was just like well where's, where's this from and he's like well he admitted it where he admitted it what you're not answering the question you fucking lunatic but because someone just says it and just because people believe and like their attitude and their brand let's not lie then it just becomes this thing and people believe it now it's like someone said this vaccine is going to kill 700,000 people with no credit no nothing no nothing people have now followed that and believe that's going to be the case Mm. and also not be surprised to know that Alex Jones has interviewed on his show Andrew Wakefield Oh. Of course, they have a a, a good uh, relationship with each other. Did they swallow each other's cum or did oh, they just watch? Probably. I had to listen to Andrew Wakefield's annoying voice being like, it's not about me at the end of the day. It's about the children. <laughs> Fuck off. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of Angry Men? <laughs> song of Angry White Men. Yeah. God, they really don't like it when they get told what to do with their bodies. They get very upset very yeah, quickly. very upset about it. Um, oh god that's depressing but yeah I know lots of people who are like how do you feel about this vaccine I think it's just like it's coming out so quickly it's not necessarily I think in the minds of a lot of more maybe shall I say clear thinking or logical thinkers (laughs) that'd be fair to say that isn't necessarily that it's going to be used for some kind of nefarious means but more that it just will be rushed out before it's been rigorously tested and on the one hand there was an article that fact came out was it yesterday saying that yeah that might be the case it just might mean that it's ineffective for some people but then we've had too many horror films of course even in the back of my mind I'm like is this is this the beginning of the actual zombie apocalypse? There's got to oh, be. There's this, definitely the one. It's not, yeah, the it's, vaccine. It's, it's, the vaccine's the actual apocalypse, not the yeah, yeah, not yeah, the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah It's yeah, like yeah. it's like the thing where the um where the sun was getting too hot, but so they tried to cool it down and they killed the earth. It's like when <sighs> humans interact with the way the earth moves and way earth works. That's that's the best storyline. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Cool. Maybe that's the apocalypse we deserve. Maybe, but. The thing is, that, that stemmed in truth. I completely understand because that's based on the idea that hundreds of years ago when we did release these vaccines, there were bad batches and people did die and people did get sick because of this. But that was hundreds of years ago when microbiology was in its baby stages where we were just learning the fact that there's a world that we couldn't see. So, of course, we didn't know how to use it or to manage it. And, like, we're rushing it out. But also bear in mind that almost every, like fucking research department has been on this so of course it's going to have more speed because it just has more minds to it yeah and also the person who cracks it is going to strike gold oh and they're going to be rich (laughs) yeah absolutely that's the other thing the motivation of that might be quite an interesting one also who gets it will we have this wonderful generously fabulous world spirit where everybody on the planet regardless of what country they're from gets this vaccine no matter what class or race or financial thing you have no probably not because sadly our world doesn't function that way but yeah it's going to be very fascinating i suppose people's worry is it won't have a long enough trial period to find out the long-term effects yeah vaccines are being developed in labs around the world constantly it's not like they're developed from scratch every time 
It's a variation of things. And people have been working on vaccines against things like SARS and other coronaviruses. This isn't brand new. This is something that's been in the pipeline for a while. Mm. But I also, I do appreciate where the fear comes from. Totally understand. It's just mm. like one day mm-hmm. there might be someone be like, stab yourself with this thing. And you're like, uh. I appreciate the fear. But like the interesting thing with the phones, we take drugs all the time without knowing what's in them, either recreationally uh. or medically. I don't know what's in my contraceptive pill. I just know that the nurse gives it to me and I take it. <laughs> I've never analysed its ingredients and it actually has some really awful side effects. There's plenty of things that we accept without looking into or having full knowledge of. So once again, it's interesting that like this, this is the thing that everybody will be like, no, fuck, fuck the world. I want to stay watching Netflix forever. I'm not taking your vaccine. Yeah, I wonder how many people who are complaining about vaccines. I'm actually just thinking about that. And there's a couple of people that I know at vaccines who do recreational drugs and just being like... Don't even get me started on this. Uh, You must have had this too. Actual experience of saying to somebody who I know does recreational drugs, if they have a headache or something like, oh, do you want me to get you an ibuprofen or a paracetamol? No, I don't put that trash into my body. I don't put things into my body. It's like, mate, I saw you do like four pills and a gram of coke last night. Like, I don't understand what you think is trash because I'm pretty sure half of that was rat poison. Yeah, exactly. I've had exactly the same conversation. Exactly the same conversation. And when I said that, they were literally just like... And it's just like, have you never had that discussion with yourself? Also, vegans who do coke. Oh, and also people like super into equality, social justice, civil rights, all of which are beautiful things. But if you're shoving coke up your nose and a whole load of other drugs, which blight the lives of so many people, then maybe you should just lower that soapbox a little bit because we're all guilty of perpetuating fucking hideousness in the world and your recreational drugs as part of that. Mm. Be smarter about your drugs. We enjoyed this episode on drug use. <laughs> ah, I would love to do a drug use episode. Mm, we should do. Well, people are mostly like, well, if you legalise it, it's not a problem. And I don't know enough about legalising drugs, but we could do an episode and I can have look into it. But presumably legalising something, well, <laughs> it's not like legal things have no negative impact. <laughs> It means we have more You're control. just changing who gets to make money out of them. Changing who gets more money out and there's a false idea of control. Well, it is actually, no, mm. there is an idea of control and regulation and all sorts. And I'm sure there are pros and cons, but doesn't it make things maybe marginally better here, but countries legalise independently? It, this is a global trade. I mean, I don't know. I actually know very little about it. Yeah, I'll be honest. I think it's dependent on individual drugs and their manufacturing. Like, I believe... I I believe in drugs that are created in like various different plants and stuff. Not not in like labs and things like that. And knowing your sources, mm. but I I have quite a strong aversion to coke because I think just the power and the way that it exists and the way that it's come into power as like the drug, and the way it just kills people. Not by taking it, but the people along mm. the way is absolutely yeah. infuriating and terrifying there are millions of different things wrong with all different types of drugs so simply legalizing it is not enough it's so much more fucked and you'd have to undo years and years and years of corrupt things that stem deeper into government and relationships between criminals and police forces and it would be absolutely a huge undertaking and no one wants to look at it Mm. yeah 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 and relationships between countries and manipulations of dominant governments into other countries' internal politics. Like, yeah, such a complicated issue steeped in so much misery, sadly, and exploitation. 
Oh, just when we thought this couldn't get any oh worse. Oh my god, can we just like do like Jinsult the the good vibes episode where we just read Glitter <laughs> No, because biodegradable <laughs> We'll find a way of ruining it. Yeah. Jinsult, we'll find a way of ruining it. <laughs> I'll put that on our next merch line. Oh good god on a wheel. Do you think we're done? Shall we wrap this up? <laughs> oh well, we've answered each other's question. I'm done. Are you done? Good. Cool. Bye. It's not burlesque unless you've subconsciously ripped it off someone else. <laughs> it's not burlesque unless you worry about everything being offensive other than the existence of our art form. It doesn't really flow. It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it, babe? No, it doesn't really. <laughs> but I think you should keep oh, it well, in there. Because yeah, of it. let's keep that and you guys can ponder the better way of saying that. That makes it both funny yet biting. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I leave these episodes feeling so uplifted like we did like the producer one I walked away being like yeah I can take on the world and like we have ones where I'm like yeah this is really great I can do this like this like sometimes we have ones where I'm like I need to have lunch and go for a walk because yeah yeah I always feel better though when I listen back to them I think it's just like I can hear myself yelling about something that I no longer have the energy to yell about so it's like I'm, I'm yelling for me mm. but our more positive episodes seem to have less listens <laughs> you than like our the more dark controversial shit. ones yeah you guys just really like feeling sad with us about how awful everything is <gasps> welcome so Pluggy McPluggersons we have some fun things to plug because when this podcast airs Tickets to a season called The Bridge After Dark will be launching. That's a great title, though. Thank you very much. It shortens uh, it shortens to bad or to bad. Excellent. Or tea bad, <laughs> which also sounds like a misspelt tea bag. So this is a really, um, really exciting thing. Um, so I am working with the Bridge Theatre, which is an amazing theatre in Tower Bridge to curate a small late night season where a few of some incredible shows are going to be joining me on one of the most beautiful stages in London. I'm very, very excited. So the season will be launching at the beginning of December and be running for the whole month. And it's called The Bridge After Dark. I'll make sure I put a link in the bio. But Tempest, are you going to be there? I'm going to be there. We're so excited. So yeah, the really exciting things is that we're like we'll have shows, we'll have the Bitten Peach there, House of Burlesque will be doing an incredible a two-day run, lads will be doing um a series of shows there as well, and as well as the incredible Black Burlesque Review. So there's some really amazing shows. Please do check it out and come join us. It's going to be absolutely stunning. It's gonna be so lovely to work in a space that I honestly don't think I'd ever actually end up in because it's just so big. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, cool. I'm so excited to get into a theatre. It's going mm. to be magical. Come yeah. and see us. Come check out the lineup. So, yeah, please do check it out. It's going to be amazing. Come sort. It's going to be all festive. Well, it's not going to be festive. It's going to be a festive time of year. It's so. going to be partially festive. It's going to be festish. <laughs> Festy? Festy? Festy. Infested. It's going to be infested. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's a really amazing opportunity and we Mm. would love to see you there. So please do check it out. And yeah. Indeed. Besides that, um, OnlyFans, come sign up. It's lols. I'm actually having a hilarious time. All of last week when this had prepared, I would have done like a whole week of horror on it, which was just, it was really fun. Just covered myself in a lot of blood and did some bad things. Very nice. Wonderful. 
Check out Salon. Our Salon show that's been running every Friday at Century Club is now running on Saturdays also as a supper club show. So if you fancy a night out with your bubbles, come and pay us a visit. If you fancy a night out on your lonesome, if you fancy a night out with some people that you know you don't live with, but you want to sit on the opposite side of a room with and laugh at and look at whilst you laugh appreciatively at the entertainment on the stage and, and share a shared experience from a safe distance, then all of you are welcome to come to House of burlesque salon just go to our shows page at houseofburlesque.co.uk and come and see some badass burlesque performances including some of my own uh, as uh, some are hosted by me and some are hosted by bambi bang bang and i'll be burlesquing about you can come and tell me if i've accidentally channeled betsy bonbon oh can't, can't wait. wait it's lovely <laughs> i'm it's, it's lovely and of course we have the wonderful Gin Salt Patreon, which we love you for signing up to. Fay, Fay Wildfire. It's close to midnight. I don't have any other fresh lyrics for that, so enjoy. Thanks, babe. How have been singing along? It was beautiful. I was just absorbing it like a regretful sponge yeah. yeah so please do check out our patreon um there's there's three different tiers three different tiers four different tiers three different tiers three different tiers three different tiers, different tiers. There's some outtakes where just support or you get sneaky outtakes and find out how rich is going to blackmail us in years to come um and of course the boss bitch botanicants where you the highest tier which is just when you get to be super awesome and we love you and we do bad things to your name yeah merry christmas you wouldn't want that you just say your name in enticing and odd and unusual and silly ways. Say For only name, £20 pounds a month. Name. Plus VAT. <laughs> <laughs> Get on board. It's fun. What else are you doing? Nothing. What else are you doing? Jinso, what else are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. A uh, huge thank you to Richie Roo for editing the podcast, listening to our ramblings and collecting the worst blackmail database <laughs> in the industry. Oh. Please sign up to our Patreon so we can pay him to do his job and then he doesn't turn against us and uh, <laughs> release all of our darkest secrets. You're a star. Thank you, Rich. And of course, a huge thank you to Rosie Verbose for the jingle at the end of this episode and at the end of all our episodes. Please do check them out at Rosie Verbose, but also they have a uh, network and show at Invisible Cabaret, which is all about mental health awareness, which is awesome. So do go check them out you can also find rich's podcast that i completely forgot to mention at i might be wrong uk which is a podcast all about influential albums that uh, if you thought lolo shuffle was retro you're really about to get your mind blown by the depths of history available to you love it all um mm. anyone else we need to do Mm. oh you guys thanks hey <laughs> sorry you're still listening. here um <laughs> did you get this far <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in like it's it's we really love you and we love that you get involved and share stories and all those things so thank you for all your shout outs all your support indeed and you thank best you for believe your nice it's ratings. like it's gonna get lit if we go into another lockdown this podcast oh. is gonna be fucking hilarious we can do some lives again. Oh my god, we should. We, we'll should. Do, we should do a digital live, like a paid one on Zoom. Yeah. 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 If you yeah. sign up to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> if we get to 30 subscribers on Patreon, we'll do a Patreon-only Zoom gin salt. How's that? I'm Sounds just making great. wild promises and You're expecting Lolo promises. to agree. You do this every episode and it's really Look, stressful. Look, I will deliver. <laughs> you do it every episode and every time you do it, I'm like, oh, I hope you're going to remember this because I'm not. I haven't I written will. it down. I will. Okay, fine. 
All right. Well, all night. night. Layers. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs> so you want to be a showgirl, a star of cabaret, but the closure of the theatres leaves a hole in your heart and in your day. Well, here's two artists who miss burlesque gigs, performing and acting moronic. People who, when life gives them lemons, just slice them up for a gin and tonic. They put the mock in mocktail, the cock in cocktail. Let them show you how. It's gin salt with Tempest Rose and low, low brown. Give us your attention. Welcome to the Anti-Capitalist Podcast. <laughs> You read that article I posted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking scary. It is fucking it's scary. It's so scary. Um, we should probably yeah, it, it's just it's it's yeah, it's ah, uh, it's I ah, it's what's annoying you ah! today. <laughs> Tell me. Um, Tell me your woes. <laughs> oh, I'm just in an irritable fucking mood.